With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. But it's time now, ladies and gentlemen, to get into the scientific method with my guy, with your guy, with our guy, the one, the only, Patrick No C. Walker, ladies and gentlemen. What's good, good brother? Hey, my friend. How goes it? I'm just fired up, bro. I'm, I'm, I'm tired of all the speculation. We're finally here for football season, and I'm just <laughs> ready to go, fam. I'm just ready to go. Yeah, it's it's been a long offseason, um, very interesting offseason in a good way for the Cowboys. I mean, this is an offseason that saw them acquire Brandon Cooks on the offensive side of the ball, saw them acquire, you know, a top-ten cornerback and Stephon Gilmore on the defensive side of the ball. And then, of course, you, you know, have these younger guys that are looking to step up like Damone Clark, hoping to have a breakout season. Sam Williams, the off-the-field issue notwithstanding, he's hoping to have a breakout season. Uh, the defensive secondary is looking as strong as it's ever looked. The pass rush is as well. They recently trade Kelvin Joseph, uh, do a swap with Ignagbeni. Ignagbeni. I'm still working on it. Let's call him Noah because now there's only one Noah in the building because the other one is in Houston. So let's go with Noah for now. Uh, Ignagbeni. But, yeah, I mean, it's a lot of interesting moves for the Cowboys. But, I mean, all told, if you sit back and you look at the moves they've made, uh, they're absolutely better, much better on paper going into week one this year than they were last year at the stuff. 100%. And I also think they got better at a specific position. Now, I want to give you flowers real quick. I know we don't got to spend too much time on a specific article, but I have to do this because I thought it was one of the most uh, you know, insightful and, and, and real articles that have ever been written on .com, and it was the article about Jordan Lewis. Uh, you kind of took us inside oh. – the human side of that uh, of that player and, and what what pertains to this sport and football, but you also gave us insight on his progress as well, Pat. So you've seen him out there at practice, and, and you've been keeping up with him from a mental and physical standpoint. Um, what's it looking like for J. Lou heading into Week One, if you don't mind uh, sharing with us? Yeah, well, right now he's on track for week one, but put an asterisk next to that simply because the Cowboys do need to wrap up Jordan Lewis. Obviously, you know, it was a span of 311, 312 days between him taking any type of football snap against competition because of the broken foot. And though we label it as a list Frank injury and speaking with him over these past several months, as it turns out, it was actually worse. He, in his words, he said his foot was shattered, um, which is mind-boggling when you consider – that that occurred on an interception and he still got the interception. Um, that tells you the kind of dog that Jordan Lewis is as a player. Keep in mind, folks, this is the same Jordan Lewis that during the Chris Richard era couldn't get on the field because he was one inch too short, right? But then when he finally did get on the field for Richard and Marinelli, he was arguably the only playmaker, the only ball hawk for the Cowboys defense in the pre-Trayvon Diggs era. So having him back into this fold uh, as a player, is, is huge because if he can get back to prime form and it looks like he's on track to do that, I mean, you're talking about your top four cornerbacks. This is, without argument, the best top four cornerback rotation in the entire league if Jordan Lewis gets back to prime. Um, now, as far as the human aspect of it, 
you know, in speaking with him, he had some down moments over these past several months. And, uh, and you know, me being a, a massive mental health advocate, I did what I could to kind of help him keep his head up and say, hey, just keep going. You know, there's sun on the, there's sunshine on the other side of that dark cloud. You just got to keep going because if you stop, you'll never get there. Um, but there was something that Dan Quinn said that jumped out to me at training camp when I asked him about Jordan Lewis. And the level of praise he had, not only for him as a player, but also for him as a locker room leader, a member of the team's leadership council, a mentor for guys like De'Ron Bland. Because keep in mind, one of the reasons De'Ron Bland, there are several reasons, one of the reasons De'Ron Bland had a breakout rookie season was because when Jordan Lewis went down, Jordan Lewis didn't uh, completely seclude himself as far as not helping out the young guys. He was helping coach up De'Ron Bland in that nickel spot. So mm-hmm. if you're loving what De'Ron Bland was doing last year, then by default you're loving that Jordan Lewis is on this roster. Um, but there did come a point where Lewis uh, got so down and, and kind of depressed and had mental health struggles uh, in, in trying to you know figure out his way back from this injury because it's the worst injury, most devastating injury he's ever suffered. Uh, Dan Quinn said that he stopped replying to texts and I've been there. As a man, as yeah. an adult who's been through tragedy, I, I get it. I know where Jordan Lewis was in that instance. But for Dan Quinn to then, you know, get with Joe Witt, uh, to get with Al Harris, to get with some of these defensive players and literally show up at Jordan's front door to force him to remain connected emotionally and mentally, that, Jordan Lewis said, was the turning point in his rehabilitation. That's what put him ahead of schedule in his rehabilitation because, in his words still, he said, for those guys to, be, to fight for me the way they did made it easier for me to go out and fight for myself. So that tells you the culture of this team. That tells you, uh, at the same time, how these are humans. And yes. I know we get into the, the, uh, the analysis of it all, and, you know, but throughout the good, the bad, and the indifferent, at the end of the day, these are still human beings going through things, and I felt like it, that side of the, the coin needed to be framed appropriately for everyone to understand not only Jordan Lewis's value to the team as a player, uh, as a leader, but also in his ability to bounce back mentally from such a devastating injury. Yeah, and, and like I said, I appreciate that because we, we, we joke a lot. We we often look at these players as just numbers and roster spots, but there is a real life human aspect to it. And, and J. Lou was, was going through that as many, a lot of players actually do that. But, but J. Lou, to share that with you and for you to share with us, I think was fantastic. Now, from the football side of it, one last thing on this J. Lou thing with Kelvin Joseph kind of transitioning into the slot. And now he's, you know, obviously traded for Noah. Is, is that kind of a sign that they're confident that J. Lou can be ready and, and ready to go to provide you that depth at the nickel spot? Because that's what Kelvin Joseph was going to do. 100%. And, you know, we've talked about this over the past several weeks. I've talked about it on 105.3 FM The Fan. I've talked about it on Cowboys Break. I've talked about it in articles on Twitter. I've talked about it everywhere that I have a voice. And the fact is that Jordan Lewis is, in fact, and has, in fact, been ahead of schedule. Uh, he even told me at some point during training camp that the Cowboys had a game uh, in July. He could have played in that game. That's how ahead of schedule he was. So for anyone to have too much concern, I'm not going to say you shouldn't have any concern because he's coming back from a devastating foot injury. Cornerback, obviously it makes sense that you'd have some worry there and uh, wait and see where he goes. But to presume that he's not ready to practice and he may not be ready for week one, that's – that's completely off base. Uh, and the Cowboys know that. They have, you know, arguably the best medical staff 
in the league. You've seen what Britt Brown and the staff has done for several other players. Talk about Damone Clark last year. Talk about Jalen Smith ever touching the NFL field again. Mm. So for that staff to look at Jordan Lewis and say, you're ready to go, it's clear he's ready to go. Uh, he's running full stride. He's running full speed. He's doing the, full, the cuts. He's doing everything he needs to do physically. So 100% he's fine physically. Now comes the, the mental aspect of lining up against competition and, like he said, quote-unquote, feeling football again. So he just needs to feel his way into yeah. it. Cowboys are going to ramp him up. But obviously he's the better option because even even an 80%, 70% Jordan Lewis is better than a 100% Kelvin Joseph. I mean, let's just shoot straight here, okay? Yeah. Uh, and then Eric Scott, obviously I'm high on Eric Scott. You know that. I yes. picked him as the potential steal of this draft. But he's not ready yet in the uh, aspect of can he step into BCB4, maybe in pockets, but over the long term, Jordan Lewis is your best option there. So ramp him up, let um, Bland be the starter uh, to begin the season, and then feel things out from there. And maybe Bland ends up being the starter as the season goes on, but Jordan Lewis is an impact rotational guy. I don't care how Dan Quinn does it. The fact you have those two guys plus Gilmore and Diggs, I mean, you couldn't smile bigger. 100%, man. And another guy who got their first crack at things uh, out there was newly acquired quarterback, Trey Lance, former top five pick for the San Francisco 49ers. And he got a chance to speak mm. with you guys a couple days ago, if I'm not mistaken. And he was out there for his first shot at practice. Uh, McCarthy, he, he spoke a little bit about it today at this early morning press conference. We'd love for you to give us some insight on uh, on that as well. And, and you got a chance to take a look at at Trey Lance out there in his first day. So kind of your thoughts on, on Trey Lance being here and getting acclimated uh, with the team. Well, anyone who says, uh, who gives an actual take on what Trey Lance looks like in practice right now is lying to you because the open uh, portion of practice is only 15 minutes and that's quarterback drills and, and a little bit of stretching. So I'll base it uh, upon that only. Uh, and just looking at that only, he's, he's just wide-eyed and open-minded. He's trying to soak up as much as possible. Uh, yesterday in particular, there was pre-practice. There were a good bit of drills run between Trey Lance, um, Dak Prescott, Cooper Rush with Mike McCarthy and, um, uh, Jeff, the the quarterback's coach, Scott Tozing. Tozing, yeah, Tozing. Uh, tired brain. Sorry, y'all. I've been I've been on it all week. <laughs> I got you. But um, yeah. So they, Mike McCarthy and Tozing, they were actively helping him with technique, which I found very interesting because it wasn't that they were simply watching him go through drills. They pulled him to the side, and you saw McCarthy himself doing mock techniques as far as three and five step drops and, mm -hmm. and release on the ball. So they're really all in on trying to develop. Uh, Trey Lance into, you know, hopefully, worst case, one of the best backups in the league. And then if he improves better than that, then, of course, maybe you have a trade situation a la Bill Belichick, Jimmy Garoppolo, where you can get a third or second round pick down the road. But number one, first and foremost, this does not impact Dak Prescott's contract status. Dak Prescott is the quarterback. And Dak himself was very active and very verbal in helping Trey Lance in practice, in the drills, uh, sharpen himself up. So right now you can tell the difference. Uh, between where Dak Prescott is in his career, where Cooper Rush is in his career, and where Trey Lance is just by the drills because there was not a lot of confidence just yet as Trey tries to figure some things out. But I also attribute that to just the, the newness of the situation, and he's trying to learn as much as possible. So give him some grace. Give him a lot of grace because this is going to be a developmental project that may take one or two years. That's so interesting that you, you, you talked about uh, some of the details in, in, the, in, the, in their steps, really, because it was Mike McCarthy I heard this morning talk about, you know, just 
working with his footwork. He didn't even talk about installs. He didn't, he didn't talk about plays. He said, hey, we're, we're starting at step one with his footwork. And that takes me back to when McCarthy was talking about, hey, we want to get better across the board in our QB room doing the footwork things because we're trying to mirror that with our run game. So, you know, obviously things can look the same. So, yeah, we're, we're talking about a very early stage of, of Trey Lance. And, and I'm, we're hoping, right, by some sometime in the middle of the season, we have that trust of him to go out there if he needs to go out there to be a backup quarterback and, and give you a little bit more than QB2 at the moment. But I think we're a ways away from that. Yeah, and we are quite a ways. Right now, there's no challenge to Dak Prescott with Trey Lance being here. There's not even a challenge to Cooper Rush. Cooper Rush is the QB2 for 2023. The only thing Trey Lance can come in and do is learn as much as possible, develop as quickly as possible, and best case, best case, he creates a conversation in December or in the playoffs if um, Dak Prescott, knock on wood, were to suffer an injury, which, of course, we all hope doesn't happen. But that's best-case scenario. Otherwise, the expectation is that he's challenging Cooper Rush outright for 2024 training camp and not a moment before. Indeed. So we got three quarterbacks on the 53-man roster uh, for, for the first time in, a little, I think, a long time, actually, for the Cowboys. But here, here's the thing about the roster I want to ask you here. Any surprises for you? And, and who on the practice squad do you think uh, will get called up fairly early in the season here? Well, one of my biggest surprises was the Jabril Cox uh, move. Okay. And the reason being is, yes, he cooled on the back end of training camp, but he had a strong OTA, strong mini camp, strong first half of training camp. Uh, and then if the conversation was to potentially move on from Jabril Cox because you like what you saw in Devin Harper – uh, and you like the potential of Malik Jefferson before he suffered the foot injury against Jacksonville that took him out. He's now on the practice squad. Uh, you still end up losing to Marvion Overshone for the entire season. So in my eyes, that solidified Jabril Cox because it's a veteran guy who's at least on the upswing, but they've decided to keep Harper, which I'm fine with because I had four linebackers and Harper was one of them. They chose to go with three. They let Jabril Cox go, brought back Malik Jefferson on the practice squad. Uh, so Jabril Cox was easily uh, the biggest surprise to me. I could say Isaiah Land as well just because I had him on my 53 and I didn't want to risk him to waivers for the reason that we saw. He's picked up by the Indianapolis Colts. Uh, good luck to the young man out of FAMU. I think he'll do some good things. But it's also not a sky-is-falling situation there. I'm much more concerned about the linebacker depth than I am losing Isaiah Land because Land, as yes. a pass rusher, he's on a defensive line that is, that's, the least, that's the position that has the least amount of need. He was going to be hard-pressed to get his reps might have seen his share of inactives on a weekly basis until the Cowboys figured it out or if somebody got hurt. So Land would have been more of a long-term um, prospect. Maybe 24, he breaks out, maybe 25. But the Cowboys need to win right now. They have more than enough bodies to do that over the next couple of years. But so for me, it's Jabril Cox. I mean, you're running real skinny on linebacker so that you can run heavy on safety uh, and defensive back. Obviously, Marquise Bell is going to contribute there as well at linebacker. But Still a little bit surprising that you are only running three true linebackers with a plus one in Malik Jefferson with the practice squad. You took the words without my mouth. I'm going to detail that uh, here in a second. One last thing before I let you go here. From the practice squad, you've got some guys like C.J. Goodwin, Sean McEwen, who have routinely been called up last year. Um, I know the rules are, are a little funky since uh, the pandemic situation, but do, do we anticipate either of them being called up early or are they going to try to save that spot until they maybe need it for injuries? 
I, I think it'll be the latter. I mean, when you look okay. at who they have, and I'm, I'm very thankful they brought Malik Davis back on practice squad. I'm on record as saying I wanted him on the practice squad as well. Um, Sean McEwen, obviously, that's going to be as needed. Uh, there will be games where the game plan will call for the four horsemen, four tight ends, and they'll activate him at that point. But other than that, I mean, Jalen Cropper, you know, I like what you said. I love Jalen Cropper. had an exceptional camp, but Brooks beat him out. Uh, wide receiver depth looks very, very stout. I think really when you go down the list, it's probably going to be one or two of these offensive linemen because the Cowboys basically sent every one of their backup centers um, to the street and then started bringing guys back on the practice squad. But they did that with the goal of activating some of these guys. So for those that may have forgotten, you can activate a guy three times, but on the third time, if you want him back on your practice squad, you got to release him or waive him, risk him to free agency or the claims, and then try to get him back. But you got at least two activations on both of those, uh, on any one that you bring up from the practice squad. So Bostick, he's back. You said it yourself earlier. Hoffman is back. They got Sean Harlow from the Giants. Uh, Alex Taylor, uh, Prelo, he's there as well. So I really do believe you'll see at least one or two of these offensive linemen get called up frequently over the first couple of weeks in some sort of rotation so that the Cowboys don't burn through those three uh, activations too quickly. But other than that, I think they'll pretty much stay put barring uh, injury at any position. My guy, man, that is Patrick Nosey Walker of DallasCowboys.com, hardest working man at .com if you ask me. Appreciate you joining us, man, as you usually do, brother. Hey, man, fun as always. Still, I talk to you guys later. Yes, indeed, and that is the science with our guy Patrick Nosey Walker. Thanks for watching and make sure to follow and subscribe to A to Z Dallas so you don't miss an episode of The Scientific Method. Every Thursday morning, 9 a.m. Central on Facebook and YouTube with every episode available on A to Z Sports.com.